Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Well, it took a little bit longer than we anticipated, but after dodging the raindrops on Sunday night, we were able to get everything in, and we have a lot to talk about after a very interesting weekend of racing at Bristol Dirt. I'm Brandon Monroe, alongside me as always is Mark Chavez, and uh, starting out, uh, very interesting weekend, I guess you could say, a lot of things happened that we probably expected, and some things were a bit of a surprise uh, during both races throughout the weekend. I mean, yeah, I, it was a good weekend of racing. Obviously, there were some hiccups here and there, but overall, I think it was successful from an on-the-track product. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the changes they made um, from last year to this year, you know, we didn't know for sure how they would go until they actually got out on the track. Um, I definitely feel like the difference in the banking, how they set up the dirt this year helped out. Um, it did seem like the racing in general was a little bit better. Um, I know they did catch some breaks with the rain, at least in the cup race, I think that helped keep the track together, but we didn't really see the track fall apart like we did last year, so that did work out. Um, I don't know if everybody wants to do this again next year, especially the drivers, but at the very least, it was an improvement from the first year when these cars were out on the track at the uh, Dirt Bristol. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for the most part, people's hesitancy, there are exceptions to this, as with everything, but I think people's hesitancy and dislike of the race has more to do with it being at Bristol than to it being on dirt. Mm-hmm. I I think uh, I think I would agree with that. I think a lot of the drivers there were some that obviously they don't want to be there. You know, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch probably are two of the main ones that come to mind really fast. But I, I think a lot of people are probably in that same boat where you know it wasn't a bad race. Um, maybe we could do it again, but if the option is there to go, you know, to an actual dirt track, um, should probably do that if we want to keep dirt racing rather than take, you know, a date away from Bristol, which has always been one of the best, you know, races on the schedule, um, on its regular concrete layout. Yeah. While their comments certainly have kind of seemed to involve dirt racing as a whole, when you look at that Kyle and... Harvick's history at Bristol, it makes sense that they would not want to go away from from the concrete. Mm -hmm. And I still think that even with them, they would at least be less vocal about it if it was at a regular dirt track instead of taking away a race at Bristol. Yeah, I I think, you know, some of the other guys that mentioned stuff, I know Kyle Larson, he was was really talking mostly about when he when he was talking about just not having the windshields on the vehicles. Uh, I know that was the talking point from a lot of drivers this week. I don't remember if I mentioned it in the last podcast. It does seem odd to me that right now that's when they would start talking about that. Granted that, you know, the truck series have been racing on dirt for over a decade and you didn't really have a lot of talk well, about that last year or yeah, last year with the windshields, but just, just something else to bring up, I guess, moving forward. And I think part of it was that, you know, they just, the first time they even tested this, uh, tested the idea really of not having a windshield was just a couple weeks ago. And I think a lot of drivers felt that that was a change they could have made 
and just didn't want to do it for a variety of reasons. There are certainly safety aspects with it, making sure everything makes sense, not wanting to rush to the decision. It does feel similar to uh, what we've had lately, where it just feels like NASCAR's waiting too long to try something. Uh, Denny's basically come out and said, you know, at the fall last year, NASCAR basically came to the drivers and the teams and begged them to help them get the car right. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of talk, it seems, to back up the idea, at least, that this car now races way better than it did six months ago. <laughs> uh, and it just, even throughout that, like, NASCAR had an extra year of testing they could have done on the car. And I, I get they couldn't have done the full level they would have liked to do, just with uh, COVID. But they could have done a lot more than they did. And they really dragged their feet, it felt like, uh, getting it to where it should have been. Like, this was the car that even without COVID, it's hard to imagine that it's ready by 2021 if COVID never happens. When the amount of changes that had to go into it still after their last test before COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean... I was going to say, too, just thinking about it, do you remember up until about a week or two ago where they really tested it on dirt? I, th- I feel like they did once or twice maybe, like, last year, but that's it. It's definitely something yeah, that no, they I mean, and a lot the, of. The race is, the other thing, though, is I don't think... Uh, the race itself, in terms of tests, it was fine. It's just the, the change they could have made, uh, particularly with the windshield, that was one of the big talking points. They just... Didn't and from the sounds of it, a lot of drivers and have talked about this actually, and you saw it. It's, it's more the issue is not even on the outside of the windshield, but the inside of the windshield. Uh, and a lot of them had Swiffers to to help <laughs> dust off the inside of the windshield. So I, I think the dirt race will happen. A dirt race will happen again next year. I don't know that I'm confident it'll be Bristol. There was just so much pushback from. So many people, drivers and not drivers alike, that I think there is a chance they try to find somewhere else for it. I, I'm with you. I think it was really going that way until the finish of the cup race. Um, I know a lot of people probably had their minds changed with how that finish was. A lot of people, you know, they could look past a race if the finish was good. And that was something a lot else of people did not like that finish. Yeah, I, I mean, I am, uh, I'm kind of on the fence on it myself. Uh, that was, well, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth for yeah. some reasons, but it was polarizing, I guess you could say. Like, we'll remember it. For sure. But, I mean, like, if you wanted to get into it, like, what were some of the things that you saw that people didn't like about it? I mean, just, well, I don't, I mean, I feel like we should save it for the... When we get like the the finish of the race itself, no, no, because I thought you said there were people saying that they didn't like the finish of the race. Yeah, but I mean, I think we can save that till we get to. All right, that I'm good with that. So we're gonna save that for for that. Let's uh let's jump into the truck race. Let's talk about somebody who probably would love to come back here next year, and that's Ben Rhodes. Um, he's been winless since he won the first opening race, the first two opening races of the season last year in the truck series, ultimately did win the championship last year. Um, but I think some people are probably waiting for him to kind of get back in the swing of things, maybe get a win or two. He was able to do that on uh, Saturday night. Um, absolutely dominating performance in terms of a, you know, a vehicle that was just 
you know, hooked up on point. That was one of the best runs from, you know, anyone in any series that I've seen in a while. That truck was, I think it's, you know, accurate to say untouchable. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that it was untouchable. He's still the, it was still close and people could get to, around it. And then he still had to drive through the field to get it. Like, it's not that hard to imagine a scenario where he doesn't win. He only took the lead on that last, uh, that last restart. I think, I think uh, part of that has to do with just some of the restarts before. When you get stuck on well, that inside lane, it's hard to go. The restarts before were why he was up there. He yeah. it helped him move a lot up there. He was killing the restarts. Um, I mean, they just had, quite frankly, bad strategy for the most part. I wound yeah. up working out okay with him, but uh, Ty Majeski was right with him through a good part of it, and he never really got back up. To, to the same level. They got up near the front, and I'm pretty sure they had issues. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were caught up in a wreck, but they wouldn't yeah. have been back there if they had been on the same strategy that most of everyone else was on. Yeah, I, I um, can't... The tires sp- certainly didn't end up mattering, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was- Carson only pit that first stage, and mm-hmm. he still hung on there and led uh, all of the race that Ben Rhodes did. Like, ben Rhodes had a very good truck, but it, it took the outbreak of caution at the end to help get him forward. Yeah, I, I can't speak for Majeski, but I know with Rhodes, it wasn't even a bad strategy call. He just didn't relay the information to That's him that true. pit road was That's open. True. That's true. He, he did mean to pit at the end of stage one, and they uh, they just they they missed the entrance. And, uh, you know, ultimately it worked out. He won stage two, and he was able to catch breaks, had good restarts when he needed them, and drove back up through the field and got the lead at the end of the race. So he ended up sweeping the weekend, getting seven playoff points. That's going to be big comes the fall, um, or I guess late summer when the truck series starts their playoffs. But ultimately everything did work out for him in the end, but just a really good performance. Um, I mean, he... He looked like a seasoned dirt veteran out there, uh, whipping that truck around on yeah, the highway. I mean, and there was there were signs of it. He was finished second last year. Uh, even had a good good practice, and you, his truck clearly had a lot of speed in uh, the heat race as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was uh, a pretty pretty solid weekend from start to finish for Ben Rhodes. Um, oh, Carson Hosevar. Very good. Came very close to getting his first career win. Uh, took the lead from John Hunter Nemechek on a restart um, pretty early uh, on. John Hunter actually, three. well, it was the beginning. Yeah, the very beginning. John Hunter Nemechek three. actually didn't lead any lap. <laughs> because of how scoring works, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in the cup race. Yes. Uh, but because of how scoring works, John Hunter never actually led a lap. It, it, the only laps led were by Ben Rhodes and Carson Osovar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a very good point to bring. I know the the way the the laps counted, or in this case, didn't count between stages, is something we'll definitely talk about when we get to the cup race because that had a bunch of people wondering what was going on there at the end of stage two in the cup race. Uh, well, other people with some good runs um, didn't get the finish ultimately, but Bodie Kofoid was up there in the top five. Um, Tried staying off of Ben Rhodes on a pretty insane slide job that he pulled. Not saying it was a bad move, just the fact he was able to get it where he got the truck. Uh, Kofoid tried everything he could not to run over Rhodes. And, you know, I know he's a dirt driver, um, but 
driving these vehicles, it's a lot different than wheeling midgets like he's used to and uh, ultimately spun out. I believe that was the wreck Ty Majeski also got caught up in uh, when Kofoid came down the track, ruining a good night for both of those drivers. But a, a pretty good showing for Buddy funny, in his first start. Funny enough, that accident, which, I mean, not necessarily caused by Ben Rhodes, but in, in effect was, uh, without him, it wouldn't have happened, uh, was the last caution that set him up in a position where... yeah. Or he was Def able to win the race. Definitely worked out. Got him on the outside lane and and helped him make the moves on that last run that uh, did put him out front. But you know, Kofoid, pretty good showing. Um, wow, I had some money on him. Don't think he would have won the race, but looked like he had top five speed. Really, all you could ask for the kid in his first start, especially uh, given that it's on a surface that he is familiar with. He looked pretty good. Um, I think that's somebody depending on how he wants to go about his career um, is someone you probably are going to see a lot more of in NASCAR. If he does choose to go that way, it's not going to shock me one bit. If he gets another chance and that 51 truck comes Knoxville um, in the summer. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, like you said, ultimately didn't lead a lap, but another pretty solid run. Um, how some people probably still want a little bit more out of him, given that he hasn't won a race yet this year, but, He's recovered quite a bit from a slow start in terms of finishing up to fifth in points now. Seems like things are kind of turned around. Has, uh, of the non... Uh, before this past weekend had led the most laps of all the guys not named William Byron. Um, now has led the second most laps behind Ben Rhodes after just a dominating performance mm -hmm. uh, in terms of laps led especially. So still led the second most laps on the year. So he's up there... They just, and they, they, they didn't have a winning truck this weekend, so it's not like they failed to close anything out. Uh, started out near the back of the pack, had issues early in the race last year, um, but still finished third. So certainly, I mean, like you said, he's up to fifth in points. Uh, he's, he's doing fine. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, Stuart Friesen, um, definitely one of the favorites going into the race. Uh, he just never he, had it. He, yeah, it, you know, I, I think he started at the beginning of the race okay, but that it just got worse and worse. It seemed like after every lap, at one point, I think he was down to like twentieth. Uh, did recover for an eleventh place finish, but not the showing uh, that we expected out of him, especially given his dirt background. A uh, bit of a surprise, I, I would say, a disappointment of a weekend for him. Well, I mean, when uh, you look at how he's ran this year so far, which has been pretty good. I think a lot of people expected him to be able to at least challenge for the win. And he was basically a non-factor from very early on through the rest of the day. Um, going on a little bit of a positive note for this next driver. I want to highlight uh Parker Kligerman, um, another great run fourth place finish. Um, I know we were talking about this, uh, pretty much right after the truck race. Uh, kind of wish that team had a little bit more money just so they could run full time. I mean, Parker's missed, what, two races? He's 14 races. points. Yeah. So, I mean, that team, when the races that they've showed up for so far this year, they've looked really good. And, you know, Kligerman, obviously not a ton of dirt experience. I know we talked about it on Twitter, but top five. Looked like he could possibly challenge for the win at times last night. Um I'm just really impressed by him. I mean, that's somebody... I, I hope he catches a break down the road. I hope he gets something together, kind of like just, Landon Castle did, where he can get a full-time ride. He's so marketable. He's so mm -hmm. popular 
amongst fans. I just, it's, it's been, and it's not a new thing, right? Like this is, uh, I mean, the truck's always been decent, but this has been very good for, for their first four races, including a race at, uh, Texas in which they were running, uh, top five before they had issues. Uh, I think Parker, he might've even finished top five in the Xfinity race later that day. Uh, Atlanta or no, it did Austin. Oh oh, man, that's right. That's in Texas. I'm sitting here. I'm like, we didn't have to suffer through a race at Texas this year. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Gotcha. Did not run Atlanta in Atlanta or Mm -hmm. Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, he, the team has speed and they've clearly had speed historically too. Like he usually gets a couple top fives for him, a couple top, few top tens every year. Uh, but I mean, hasn't had a, a full ride in anything, uh, since 2013 and, uh, has run good still, you know, when you think about ages, like he's not a young gun necessarily. But but certainly is not old. Thirty one. He is, uh, I mean, effectively the same age as Daniel Hemrick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, obviously Hemrick's a champion now. But before last year, it'd be pretty easy to say that Kligerman's probably actually had more success than Daniel Hemrick. I mean, two truck wins, two no wins in NASCAR before the season finale last year. So I think that's a a fair thing to say. Um, in terms so of, their I, I hope he gets one, gets something. He deserves it. He's good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. and I just hope they. Get, I mean, they clearly have enough. I mean, they've done four of the six races so far this year, and that, that's the one thing that kind of sucks about this is that a team like that, which I'm sure if they had a prospect of running for the championship, they probably could have an easier time putting together a full package at this point. Uh, just showing how competitive they are. Um, but I mean, I you know I've been vocal about thinking there should not be a minimum re- start requirement at the bare minimum for making it in on points. Something Parker Clickerman could still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's he's ahead of Benedetto right now, which I mean, Benedetto's had some awful luck. Oh, I... <laughs> like, yeah. I don't. I don't know how else you could describe your truck getting stuck to another truck. I've never seen that before. <laughs> so, like, they've uh, some of the issues are self-inflicted, but at least this past weekend, like, there's no way you could describe that other than just when it, I, it just when it rain it pours, man. Like, it's it's been bad. It's it's been like this probably now for yeah, close to a year for De Benedetto. I feel like in terms I feel like of this just, past weekend though yeah. is a yeah. new low, and you can kind of you yeah. can see it when they 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 talked to or you could hear it. They talked to him on the radio, and you could just hear the in his voice just the like I I don't know how you keep going to be honest. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I. I wasn't high on that team going into the year. I mean, you know, my my metric in terms of how they were going to run was just how they did last year with a better driver, in my opinion, in the truck. And, you know, I thought if Benedetto made the playoffs, that would exceed my expectations. Um, I think if he had no luck instead of bad luck, he's probably on the outside looking in still right now. But it's just it's pretty crazy. Some of the things that that have happened to that team 
And I'm I'm with you. Like what happened the other night during that? Yeah, raid, I'm certainly a new low. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think they're they're probably not in a playoff spot no matter what in terms of their luck. Without getting exceedingly lucky, obviously, but it's yeah. still like they're they're one in the picture, but two certainly also don't feel as bad as I'm sure this feels right now. <laughs> no, I would I would agree with that. I mean, still looking at the points, he's about you know, 50 or so out of that last playoff spot. So it's about a full race. I'm with you. Even if he, you know, doesn't have the bad luck he's had, probably still not there, but, it, but at least you can picture. talk about him. Right, exactly. I think yeah. 60 points out with the kind of performance that team can likely put together, taking into account also the people ahead of him, of which, I mean, I guess there's only two, or I guess, no, there's three right now. because yeah. So with Infinger, Kraus, and Ingram, like I, I don't think that he would be able to point his way in, regardless. But especially being sixty back already, uh, but at least then he could still be in the picture. And now it already feels like it's effectively they have to steal a win somewhere. Yeah, I mean he's gonna get, you know, at least one chance. I'd say at a track like. Uh... Uh, you know, Atlanta. No, I don't think they go back to Atlanta. No, they don't. So he's uh, he doesn't even have the benefit of going to a you know restrictor plate type track again. So he's definitely got his work cut out for him in terms of picking one, up. One, I will say, one potential dark horse place is Sonoma. That is true because the trucks will be go there. one of the only people with experience there. Because I don't imagine there will be many Cup guys that have a bunch of experience. I would not be surprised if we saw a good amount of Cup guys in there. Yeah. Especially some of the younger ones, like Cindric, his I I don't think he raced there last year. I don't believe so either. But uh, someone like Justin Haley's not going to have a lot of experience. I could see maybe a Harrison Burton, depending Harrison, on I don't know Harrison, what Ryan Priest is running in that. Harrison Burton, truck, but, like there are certainly yeah. people that I mean, even some guys that maybe like a uh, Chase Briscoe. He only has the one start last year, and I guess also the the West Series start he made. Um, <laughs> Someone who doesn't have that much, I could see a lot of them racing. Like I don't see like a Kyle Busch or a Kevin Hart no. going yeah. down in the truck series to do it. Um, but it's certainly a place that not only does Bennett have experience in, but he's ran, he's finished top five there before. I didn't that um, the the Levine car. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, so. I, I I could certainly see it. It's probably mm-hmm. his best bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that would definitely be something to look at for him for sure. Um, Someone we probably need to touch on just because it was another not so good weekend for is Haley Deegan. I know there were some people that were expecting her to, you know, do something this weekend, not necessarily win, but, you know, maybe put together a top 10 run given her dirt background. Um, I honestly didn't really notice her the whole race. Looking at the rundown, she did get up to 18th, so she did salvage a little something there at the end of the race, but. This is I mean, somebody I will now. Say she she mm-hmm. finished ahead of Harrison Burton. I, I mean that that is a plus. I don't know if Harrison Burton's ever only driven finished, on dirt before. Only finished three spots behind her her teammate as well. Uh, I mean, no, this certainly was a track that people were expecting stuff at. She spun in her heat, and it did kind of become a moment of is she even going to make the show? Because uh, we did have two go home, and she was certainly not high enough in owner's points that she was going to be able to count on that. I believe in owner points right now, she is uh, sitting in 30th. Yeah. Um, 
that that truck is. So I mean, I've been out on Haley Deegan for a while. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if I, I mean you look at last year in the Arca series, right? Or not last year? Sorry, two years ago in the Arca series, in which a lot of gets made about because she finished like third or fourth in the points or something like that. And the, but the reality is when you look at the fields, like it wasn't like she actually did all that much. Like she had four top fives in 20 races, 17 top tens in 20 races. Like she's keeping the truck together, which not that it was necessarily her fault this year, but it's better, better than a lot of the races this year have gone for her, but she was at least keeping the truck together. But when you look only four guys, Ran the full se- uh, season of points uh, that year. So she finished third out of four of them, only beating Drew Dollar. Who uh, a lot of people, yeah. not, not a huge, not a good necessarily benchmark in terms of, no. of what you're better than. So, no, that is, uh, <laughs> that is not a good benchmark at uh, all, I would agree. The people, the guy, like she had four top fives. Which is fewer than Ty Gibbs, who only ran 16 races. Sam Mayer, who only ran 13 races. Uh, Chandler Smith, who ran 13. Uh, Taylor Gray, who ran 12. And everyone else basically ran fewer. Like Thad Moffat, in a truck that was worse than hers, almost certainly. uh, Only ran 13 races, still finished in the top five three times. Like, she's... Not gonna again, not not that it's it doesn't necessarily carry it over with a bunch of the truck series, but when you looked at it, you certainly felt like she wasn't going to get in a bunch of wrecks very often. Uh, I'm pretty sure at least one of the three DNFs she had, one of the three finishes outside the top ten she had, were not of her own doing. Uh, so I get why there was some excitement about her when you just look at the numbers, but if you watch the races, like you, it she was a non-factor almost the entire entire season. Uh, only led 86 laps, and 85 of them came at Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Like She only led one lap outside of, of that race. So I think a lot of the signs were there that this wasn't necessarily going to be what people expected it to be. And I mean, so far, a year and a quarter, almost a year and a half in, the results just have not have not been there. I mean, I I know with me how how I've always looked at her. It's like when she when she won those races in the K and N series, in the K and N West series, um, that really like put her on the map because we hadn't had a female driver win at that level. I mean, even if you go in NASCAR and any of the regional touring series, I think you have to go back to like Shauna Robinson winning in the Goodies Dash series, which at this point is well over thirty years ago, I believe. Um, it's it's been a long time and given that that's something that we've had a number of female drivers you know come through um in varying levels of equipment at that level and they hadn't been able to do that i think with her winning those races you know i i think a lot of people were like probably hey this is this is the type of person that could maybe at the next level do some things that we've never seen out of a female driver and I know as she got those races, at least with me, I start comparing her, you know, instead of comparing her to the other female drivers, you got to look at her as a driver. And, you know, to me, she didn't really stack up that great to Derek Krause. And 
Derek Krause, he has had his moments in the truck series, but I don't think he's done anything to show me that he's, you know, anything more than a truck or Xfinity, you know, career driver, essentially. I don't think he has what he needs to be something, you know, a factor at the cup level. So if that's what we're looking at with Haley Deegan, that's that's not a good sign, in my opinion. Obviously, she has the people around her, sponsorship money, a lot of stuff like that, where she's probably going to get an opportunity at the Xfinity series and the cup series down the road. Um, but she definitely has to do something more to, you know, I guess make it sound or make it seem like to people that she's going to deserve one of those rides. Cause at the moment, um, I just don't think she has it. I think there's a lot of other drivers that aren't quite cup level talent that, uh, she's behind. I think that's very fair to say. I don't think that's unfair at all. And, you know, she still has the rest of this year. Um, We'll see what she ends up doing next year, whether she stays in the trucks or moves up, but she definitely needs to develop at a bit faster of a pace, in my opinion, if she wants to keep going down this road. Six races in, she's 25th in points and has Mm -hmm. the same amount of points as Ryan Priest. Who's ran yeah. two races? That's yeah, not uh, not good. Also about Derek Krause, I don't think Derek Krause, at least in terms of the stats we've seen, is even a career cup or career truck series driver. Mm-hmm. In order to be a career driver in any of these series, you still have to get wins. Unless you are funding right. your own team, you will not keep your ride forever. I mean, I, I know he has a pretty good relationship with the McAnallys, so that that is going to help. I, I would say at least in Krause's spot it's hard to tell because i'm pretty sure he's been the only person to drive for that team at least full time um i think it's fair to say we don't know how great that equipment is we we don't know where it stacks up it's not bad i just don't know how good it is so at least possibly you could explain away the lack of wins but i would agree you're you're gonna have to start winning at some point yeah i don't at the end of the day you're not he's Derek cross isn't gonna stay there forever and if he doesn't put up numbers he's not going to get a ride somewhere else mm-hmm. so you know right now with Krause, he's 12th in points only one top 10 so far and just you know looking at it they they went from in 2020 he had three top fives and 13 top 10s i didn't even realize this but he only had four top 10s last year uh Still ended up 13th in points, so kind of shows you where the truck series was at, I guess, over the last season. But uh, I mean, he has an average, his average finish right now is only a little bit better than it was then, and he's sitting 12th yeah. in points. Yeah, so he does need to pick it up. Um, again, he has time, it's hard to measure up with that team. I'd like to see them probably run, you know, a second truck at least part time. Somebody else just to I mean, get a they, gauge there on what it is. They are. Are they right now? At, le- at least according to Racing Reference, uh, Colby Howard is, I even is full-time know. in a McAnally truck. I did not even realize that was a McAnally truck. Yeah. Well, he does not have a top 10, at least. He no, did pretty mean, good, I think. Um, in terms he, of, of yeah. finish, Krause has definitely outperformed him, but... I was gonna say, yeah, no, Kobe Howard did finish twelfth. Bit of a surprise there for him. Best run of the year by far. But uh yes, no, have it I guess what I meant to say was like 
Colby Howard's not, you know, a veteran level driver, I guess is my, was my point. Like, I don't know who's available that you could get in one of these trucks just to kind of get an idea, but like Kobe Howard, in my opinion, is only going to show you so much. It's not like say throwing a Johnny Sauter in one of these trucks. Granted, sure. he's at the end of the career. Sure. Um, did run good at Martinsville though. I think, I think that was mainly my point is that, you know, you don't have that veteran level driver to stack up where he's at. Like Kobe Howard, it looks like he's even younger than Krause. He's only 20 years old. Um, only 11 career starts in the truck series does have 43 in the Xfinity series driving for various teams over the last two years. But again, young kid, um, it, it's going to be a bit different in terms of, you know, being able to stack them up and sure. But I mean, it's way you have get. what you have, like, yeah, yeah. I, Several I, teams have been able to figure out if they have good or bad equipment without throwing a former champion into the truck. Well, that's fair. That That is fair. I mean, just going through, but yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I guess, I guess it's just like for me anyways, you would not even a former champion, but if there's anybody available that, you know, has wins in general too. just anybody. Cause it, I think it is hard to figure out what you're doing with, with that. Um, given the drivers in it, I mean, Tori take a look at that issue. Who did a Tory, a Tory. They, um, so you, they don't have, least, you don't yeah. have to get another guy into the truck to figure it out. Maybe mm-hmm. if you really feel like it, and I feel like if they thought that was an issue, they'd already done it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I'd have to know what Kraus, because Kraus has been with McAnally for a while. They even go back to the K&N series. I mean, what brought McAnally into the truck series, at least right. again. Yeah, no, so that, that's my point, is I don't know what the relationship is there um, in terms of how close they are. I find it very hard. I don't know if they'd want to kick him out and Maybe maybe they could do something with Kobe Howard, although they're only six races in, but I mean, it hasn't stopped teams before. I mean, take a look at what happened in the, the Xfinity series with uh you know the forty eight car, what they're doing right now with Buford and Kaz, how how that's gonna go down. That's gonna be interesting over the next couple of weeks to see what comes of that. Uh we'll probably talk a little bit about that later on in the week when we get into the uh the preview for Talladega. But uh no, I gotta say you are probably right. They gotta they gotta figure it out somehow. At least with Satori, they did try a couple different drivers before they hit on it with Moffitt, and they really took him off to another level there. And uh, well, even after Moffitt left, Austin Hill was able to put together good runs. This year, not so much with Tyler Ankrum and Chase Purdy. Although I don't think anybody really expected anything out of Chase Purdy. Um, Ankrum's kind of been what at least I expected. Kind of on that bubble. Looks like he's about 25 points out of the playoff spot right now. Um, but he's he's kind of what I thought he'd be doing in that truck. I know a lot of people are probably going to be upset given that they won a championship not that long ago with Moffitt. And they're you know pretty decent contenders with Austin Hill in it over the last couple of years. So definitely not uh, the season that they were probably hoping for to start out. Um, but yeah, no, there's... Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the truck series, that's for sure, in terms of these some of these drivers. Um, last thing, probably, to talk about just the cup guys in this race. Uh, Joey Logano and Chase Elliott. I know Chase was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't expect much out of him. Um, 
he did get a top 10 finish. So that was a pretty solid run with a truck that I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, uh, that Spire bought off racingjunk.com. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I don't that's, know. Was that this truck specifically? Yeah, no, that's the one they were talking about. Like they said, no, um, I didn't know if that was just yeah. like what their fleet was built off of. No, it's that specific if that's truck what they got for this one. So yeah, it makes no. sense. I'm pretty sure they have a new body this year. So yeah, no, but that that chassis they bought off RacingJunk.com. It was old Bobby Dodder truck. I didn't, I didn't catch how old it was, but the way they were talking about, we're probably talking about like 10, 15 years old. So that was a a pretty cool storyline there. Uh, Joey Logano. Did start on the did start pole, on the pole. And, and didn't Rhodes do anything. Got the jump. Yeah, <laughs> just um, not really what I was expecting. I mean, he had he had pretty solid run in the Cup Series race, uh, you know, the following night. But for the truck race, I I expected him to be in contention to win. And yeah, we're off the start, like you said, Ben Rhodes got a jump, drove out front, and um, you didn't really see a lot of Joey Logano after that. All right. Anything else you'd want to add to the truck race before we move on? No, I mean, in terms of finishes, I think it was kind of a disappointing cast of characters that are at the front. Usually in these kind of races, you want to see some names that are out there. Um, some guys had some good speed and and qualifying, and even in, in the race a little bit. Uh, Fogelman, as you mentioned, Kofoid, which at least would have been a different name. Uh, Majeski, who has certainly ran okay this year, but hasn't been up front. And just through various efforts, we were, f- fell down to what feels like a pretty standard uh, top 10. So mm-hmm. it was it was a fun race, though. Uh, I mean, it was probably better for the entertainment factor that Ben Rhodes got on the strategy he got on. There's a good chance he goes out and leads all 150 laps otherwise. Yeah, it's a, a very dominating performance by the defending series champ. Uh, now has a very sizable points lead, you know, about 40 points, it looks like, which not quite a race, but uh, it's not going to shock me one bit if he holds that for a while over, you know, or possibly till the end of the year. Uh, that was a very good performance, and we'll see if that leads to better things for Ben Rhodes over the remaining races the Truck Series have in the regular season. Um, so moving on to the Cup Series, um, a lot to unpack here. Uh, where would you like to begin? I mean, there's there were a lot of things that happened in this race. Uh, I think the, the easiest one I feel like to talk about is just the, the, the rain at the second stage break. <laughs> uh, that caused a lot of confusion of who was leading and who wasn't. And there was a lot of discussion about it. A lot of people calling for live pit stops. I don't think that's the answer. I don't envision that working all that well. Uh, nor do I really think it's necessary. I don't know. Once they explained it to me, it, it really didn't seem that complicated. I think it was made worse by teams not understanding the rules as they are. Like clearly, basically every team that pit understood the rules. Uh they they seemed to imply that they they knew what was going on and that there was not it was an easy decision for them to pit. Uh, there were obviously some some guys vocal about it, but I think at the end of the day, it, their teams didn't know the rules that the other teams knew. So there was clearly this information out there. Uh, I get why it is this way. Um, if you're not scoring the laps that you run, you can't really take the lead. I guess. Uh, 
I, I just I think if all the drivers were on the same page, it would have been almost a non-issue. Yeah. Uh, something Fox certainly could have brought up before, but I don't know that Fox is necessarily aware of it either. Yeah, uh, it, it sounded like uh, Fox didn't do the best job of explaining the situation. Everything that I read, it looked like MRN was able to, or I guess PRN, because I mean, it yeah, wasn't well, The radio did it a very good job. Sure, sure, but it. even the people that understood what the rule was, there were still a lot of people that thought it was dumb that it worked this way, but I don't think it was that complicated, nor do I think it was... Uh, I think it's fine. Like, uh, personally, I'd feel okay with never scoring uh, caution laps. Yes, in the between stages. stages. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you could still have live pit stops and not score the co- the stage laps. That's people tried to argue that, and that's nonsense. You don't you don't have to have the. You could still score them. They still have a lead change and everything. It just doesn't happen until you take the the green flag. I think it would really help. On, uh, although I mean, personally, my preference is that road courses just don't have cautions to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also the thing that would help on road courses just because you're not wasting these laps, which at Coda kind of feels like we want to waste them. Uh, but at a track like Sonoma or Watkins Glen, uh, which are shorter in time and length, uh, it kind of sucks when, like, I, I've been to the Sonoma race now, last uh, two times it was ran. And you, you sit there and, oh, by the time they get going to green, almost a quarter of your, a fifth of your second stage is gone. Because not even a caution that came out, just the caution that existed. So I didn't hate the rule. I didn't have a problem with it. It would have been better if it was explained more clearly, but I think a lot of the controversy came, was drummed up by the drivers themselves, who, whose team failed to understand the rules. Ultimately, I think the big sticking point there and what people were stressing about is because they wouldn't count the caution laps when I believe it was Chase Briscoe came into pit, you know, he was still credited with the lead, even though he would fall back. I think he ended up being what, like 12th after everything cycled through somewhere back further back a little further Mm -hmm. back than that. But yeah. Yeah. So with the rain moving through, basically it led to a situation where Chase Briscoe is sitting in this pit stall. And if it poured, Oh, sure, no, that's of course why it comes up, because no one one even mentioned it the first time in the first Mm -hmm. stage. Like, of course, that's why it comes up. But my point is, even if it rained, I don't think it's a bad rule. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm fine with the way it is. Uh, I don't have any issue with it whatsoever, just that it could have been explained to the fans clearer. When there are some teams that understand the rule, at that point, I don't think NASCAR did a, a bad job. If there are at least a good chunk of teams that seem to understand the rule. Right. Uh, whether they had to go to NASCAR to get that clarification or what, that's part of the game. Well, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm speaking of Chase Briscoe, I think uh, like you probably wished it did rain out. Because with how this race ended, um, he ultimately paid... I don't know if you'd say he paid the biggest price because ultimately what happened did cost Tyler Reddick uh, his first career win, which would have been a really big deal for him and RCR. But at the end of this race, and this is what everybody's going to be talking about, the finish, Chase Briscoe reeling in Tyler Reddick at the end, gets it down to where he is pretty much on his bumper coming out of turn two, and he tried sending it off into turn three on that final lap, and it just it didn't work out. Him and Reddick make contact. They both spin. Briscoe doesn't recover. He ends up finishing 22nd. 
Um, but in, with everything going on, from about four or five seconds back, out of nowhere, comes Kyle Busch. And he scores his first win of the season, leading only one lap. Absolutely heartbreaking finish for Tyler Reddick, who had dominated the second half of this race, or at least the, the very last stage, um, leading 99 laps total. Uh, it's it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to talk about. I don't know how everybody feels about it, but uh, just you have to feel for Tyler Reddick. Um, being that close and having it end that way, the the way that it did. I do feel bad for Tyler Reddick. Uh, I feel less bad because um, he's kind of a, a pushover. Um, I get there are a lot of people I'm sure that will commend his behavior as being respectful and mature, but. I would venture to guess a large majority of fans, maybe not Tyler Reddick fans, maybe Tyler Reddick fans are just built different, but a large majority of fans of other drivers at the bare minimum would be pretty upset if their driver had as cordial of a conversation with a guy that just took him out after the race as uh, Tyler Reddick. I mean, Tyler Reddick literally blamed himself. I would, uh... like, he, he, he literally blamed himself for it. And I get it, right? I get, you know, you, if he had run those last few laps better, it wouldn't have ever been able for Chase Briscoe to do that. And I feel like that's a mentality you almost have to take with a guy. If the guy behind you is like a Joey Logano or a, a Denny Hamlin, a guy you know is, is not afraid to move you the F out of the way. Uh, I don't want to say it was a dirty move from Chase Briscoe, but it was not a clean one. It wasn't executed close to good in my opinion and just imagine though if that is denny hamlin that makes that move takes that tyler how mad people are it, it goes back denny to hamlin. what it goes back to what denny was saying about the fans being hypocritical it's not about the move it's about who makes the move and i think you're 100 percent right if that's denny hamlin who does that denny hamlin's gonna need somebody to probably keep the crowd from pelting him with beer cans after that Kyle race Bush, joy logano <laughs> Like, but it's Chase Briscoe, the same move, just as dumb of a move as I've seen. Like, there's the way it was executed had Carl's dive bomb 15 years ago at Kansas. Rage said it's better, that long ago. <laughs> has, has a better chance of working than whatever the hell Chase Briscoe did does. It, it's it's kind of like. He wanted to do something like that, and he didn't commit to it. Like, he didn't even get close to clearing Reddick. Like, when he slid up, he got him pretty much in the door. Like, he wasn't even close to finishing that move when they made contact. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I definitely think some of, uh, Tyler Reddick's crew guys are with you as well. They, they went down there going to pit road looking for a fight. Even, hell, even even Chase Briscoe was expecting to get punched in the face, and he might have been a little surprised with uh, how that went down. But that was I, I I don't know if I'd go as far to say as Tyler Reddick's a pushover. That might be a bit harsh, but you know, I I think I saw some people comparing him like, oh, Tyler Reddick's the new Chase Elliott, and to that I say, no, like. Chase didn't throw any punches, but when Denny Hamlin dumped him at Martinsville in 2017, he didn't go up there and laugh about it and shake it off like they. They got into a confrontation. Like that wasn't like, oh yeah, great racing well, I mean, guys. And then Chase dumped him a couple weeks ago. I think yeah. most of us would be yeah. pretty surprised if Reddick dumps 
Briscoe at some point. Yeah. Maybe for the win. Maybe for the win he dumps him. But Chase wasn't going for the win when he dumped Denny. Denny was in front of him, and Chase said, well, I'm going to go through you. He just put him in the wall. Like, it wasn't even a dump. He just wasn't even there. And ultimately, that, uh, you know, neither of them made it to the final four as Chase got passed by Matt Kenseth at the end of that race and lost out on that shot. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, Chase paid him back. You're 100% right. Wasn't wasn't a flat out dump or anything like that, but he he got his money's worth. He took away Denny's shot at the championship, and I don't see Tyler Reddick doing anything like that, with the exception if they're you know one two somewhere, and maybe then you might get a bumper to him. But I I don't expect him to go out of his way and you know take him out while they're running for say seventh. At you know obviously it'd be very hard to do that at Talladega, but whenever we get to a track where that's yeah, possible, yeah, no, for sure, I, yeah. I just. I- I don't see him just, you know, dumping him at some point. Right. Right. I would I would agree with that 100%. Um, but, hey, at the end of the day, everything that happened there, Kyle Busch, um, like a lot of people find it pretty funny after him criticizing Alex Bowman about backing into wins, he... <laughs> He backs into this one because that was, <laughs> that was that was something else in terms of you know races I've seen people win over the last couple of years. It's got to be at the top of, well, man, you you got lucky. <laughs> uh, probably the luckiest got someone got since Kyle Busch won at Fontana in 2013. In terms of two drivers getting into it, I would agree. Um, I mean, Alex Bowman did win a race last year where the leader had a tire and That's hit the true. wall in the last turn. So, but in, in terms of you know having two guys racing, yeah, he was like at least, that, I guess actually it yeah. was probably the Roval when Truex uh, or when uh, Blaney. Too, I forgot about that. Yes, that that did happen too. <laughs> or Fontana when Austin Dillon won. Man, because that. That was an Xfinity race, Kyle. but yeah, yeah, no, Kyle cutting the tire down and Suarez running out of gas. Yeah, no, that's that's another one up there too. Kyle, obviously, on the other end of that. But by the end of the day, everyone gets lucky, right? It happens. Some if you're going to win more than one race, you're probably going to get lucky in some regard. Um, and it is pretty funny though. Uh, it is I mean, pretty it's... funny that the guy that rips him earlier this year backs into the win more. I would say more than Alex Bowman's has ever backed into a win. I'd be pretty comfortable saying that. I wouldn't. I don't know how to describe it too. But Kyle's last win, while not necessarily backing into a win, you have to have everything go right when you only have fourth gear. Uh, after you had something <laughs> go wrong. <laughs> so uh, you know, in terms of Kyle's last couple wins, they've been interesting to say the least. Uh, and I'm um, taking taking a look here. Uh, some other notable finishers. Um. I gotta give this guy a shout out. Uh, at least I've been hard on him in previous episodes, but Ty Dillon, uh, solid run, top ten finish, top fifteen all day basically. Yeah, you know, did did ultimately get in the top ten at the demise of Doesn't Chase Briscoe at the end. Doesn't but matter. Yeah, still good day, good Doesn't day for him. 10. Solid day for him. Dowell ninth. Yeah, I mean, ninth. Ty Dillon finished, uh, got stage points in the first stage. Uh, finished second actually. Yeah, that's in the, in the first stage. So and did not start on the pole. So mm-hmm. It wasn't like he just hung on there. Like he he started up near the front, but drove up there to get uh, to get those stage points. So yeah, I mean out 
outside of those guys, though, outside of Ty Dillon and Michael McDowell, yeah. and I guess Kyle Busch winning, a lot of the guys you see in this top ten are probably people you would expect. Especially, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, well, Reddick has the dirt background. Larson and Bill, a, obviously. I'll take a Chase Elliott top ten, a dirt, dirt Bristol yeah. any day of the week. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we're but... running fourth before. Uh, he pit on that final stage break, which was not a call I was a fan of. Can't criticize it too much. Hard to say where it shakes out with him finishing. Uh, those last couple restarts were pretty hectic in terms of guys gaining losing positions. So I feel, I feel like we got to carve out like five minutes every week just so you could vent about Allen. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I was prepared to go full internet. We recover, finish eighth. So it is it is what it is. It was a questionable call when it happened. Especially with the rain. It wasn't and it wasn't like they were super clear on the forecast, right? Like if that rain was the only rain and we knew there was going to be no more rain, I I dislike the call less. But we knew there was gonna be rain and we had another rain delay. Mm-hmm. And we got the race in, but it, one of these rain delays turns into especially after the first one, right? Turns into an hour long rain delay, there's a chance NASCAR just calls it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It, I, this is random, but there are four different guys that scored thirty six points in this race. <laughs> that is very odd. Ty Chase Elliott, uh, Alex Bowman, and Ryan Blaney all mm-hmm. uh, all scored thirty six points. That's very very interesting number to say. Uh, he didn't there. get a good finish. But I certainly think some credit needs to be given to J.J. Yaley. Uh, mm-hmm. Was running up near the top 10 at one point and was still running in the top 20 most of the second half of the race before uh, Austin Dillon's car, unfortunately, died in front of him. And then Yaley's car was just never the same after that. Yeah, I was going to uh, bring up Austin Dillon, too, there. Like, uh, yet again, another really good day for him and Something out of his control happens, and he gets a terrible finish in comparison to where he was running throughout the race. Uh, not that it was going to be good days for them, but uh, lackluster season for Harvick continues, right? Last year, it was a lot of good finishes, but just like, you know, seventh or seventh place-ish finish. And uh, right now, they're struggling to even, even get those on weekends. And back to the thing, he should thank God he has the win, because boy... This awful season for Denny Hamlin just continues. Uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, um, but just to get to like his last uh, three DNFs before this, you had to go all the way back to 2018, mm-hmm. uh, which is still true because he had four DNFs then, so it's still true what we have now. But he has four DNFs now uh, after having zero last year and one each the prior two years. Uh, he now has four, which if he DNFs just one more time, is the most DNFs he's had uh, in a season since 2013. And he didn't even run the full season then, but still had eight DNFs then. No other season has he had more than four. Uh, so if he gets one more DNF, he's already got his second lowest mark of his career. I mean, and they I haven't know been com- running good. They haven't no. been running great to begin with. That, that's that's. There are a lot of people who want to act like he'd be up and be like, he'd be okay if he didn't have these DNFs, and they they would not be okay. Uh, that's that's just the first thing, but it just at a certain point, like you gotta 
It's similar to the De Benedetto right now. Granted, Denny Hamlin has a win, and I said that I said after Richmond, I didn't think that this team's troubles were were finished. That I I still felt like they were going to struggle. They were the fourth car of their team at Richmond, and they all their team had good cars, but it just was so uncharacteristic, even for his past Richmond performances, that I was not confident they would be fixed. They go to Martinsville and they struggle, and they were struggling here before the issues. It wasn't like he was running top ten when these issues uh, arose. <laughs> So, I, just a bit. I, I was going to say it was like, you know, when you go back a couple of weeks and we were doing, you know, our breakdown after I think it was like about the six race years after Atlanta, maybe a week after that, we're talking about people that we think are going to get back in the playoffs. I mean, we both said Denny Hamlin was going to get back in the playoffs. We both didn't think Christopher Bell was going to. And here we are now after Dirt Bristol, Christopher Bell is he's in a playoff spot <laughs> like he is somehow turned that around really quick i know we we were in the situation last year with tyler reddick where we both were like ah he's in trouble we don't think he could get back in there um he obviously did but christopher bell has turned this around very quickly um, i mean i i will say i said the entire time i thought he could i just thought and it's you know no guarantee i thought there'd be enough winners and I still maintain that he might not, he'll probably have to get higher than he is in points. I didn't think he'd turn around this quick, but I still thought there was certainly a chance. I, I know I had him missing the playoffs, but I, I talked to you about it. I didn't think that they were necessarily out of it, especially because they had ran okay, better than Hamlin had for sure. Just, you know, he spun at Fontana, spun like while in second or third at Vegas, spun at Phoenix. And the DQ at Atlanta. Uh, but if he didn't have that Atlanta DQ right now, he'd have four finishes of seventh or better and probably should have five in a row if not for his uh, issue at martinsville yeah not a not a dq because he still finished like 20th oh yeah sorry sorry, 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 sorry. The, the yeah penalty, the penalty. yes yeah if it wasn't for the penalty you put yeah. him on the tail end of the lead lap mm-hmm. um he'd be sitting here now with four top sevens in the last five races and a car that at least could have finished with the top seven in martinsville as well yeah i mean i think when we look at Gibbs so far this year, it definitely seems like Kyle's by far, you know, the driver. I think it's pretty clear now in terms of speed, Christopher Bell, number two. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., he's behind them, but it's not, you know, it, it's not like he's lost. <laughs> it's not like we're putting, you know, the pushing the panic button he on Martin Truex Jr. He's, he was he's, this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, at least it's dirt Bristol. Not gonna, not gonna push a panic button no, no, over sure. that. I agree. Yeah. They did, they did damn near win the race last year. But yeah, I mean, Denny Hamlin was up there too, and look, no, and how that was. But, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I think it's time Denny's hit the panic button at least in terms mm-hmm. of their performance again. And that's what I said after Richmond. They should just be honestly be focusing on getting their performance better. I, I, they don't have to worry about pointing, getting every point they can. They need to be worried about getting that car as good as they can. Because I didn't yeah. think they were going to run up into the top 10. I certainly don't now. After the disastrous performances that he's had. He's not going to fall out of the top 30. That's just not going to happen. No, there's not There's not enough you know, depth there in the series for that to happen. Like, there are literally only 31 competitive uh, drivers, at least, that are full-time. So, another guy that is uh, not pretty down lately, I feel like. I mean, I feel like it's just true. Uh, they've had some issues. They certainly had some good speed in some of these races, but Ricky Stenhouse, man, mm-hmm. uh, has not had a top 20 finish since he finished 10th at Fontana. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> with, that's with, a problem. with the Chevys having as much 
speed as they have had. That is uh, concerning. Annoying, ignoring the Spire cars, right? Uh, Justin Haley, who's also had a fair share of issues, but he's still at least 25th in points. Uh, almost 40 clear of Stenhouse. And mm-hmm. Justin Haley's the organization is newer. Justin Haley's more inexperienced. Um, in fact, the only three cars, only three drivers, because uh, I'm sure the 16 cars also outside of the top 20 in owner points right now. Um, but they don't have a full-time driver, so they're not on here. But of the full-time Chevy drivers, only three are outside the top 20 right now. One of them's Ty Dillon, which anyone would have bet any amount of money is true. And he's the highest of, of <laughs> the, I guess, other four, because you have to, I guess, throw Corey LaJoy in there. So ahead of Justin Haley, ahead of Ricky Stenhouse, and ahead of Corey LaJoy. And like I said, this, the 47 team has had uh, some speed. Obviously would have had a better finish at Bristol if, if Brad didn't just annihilate him. Uh, had an average running position of, of 14th at uh, uh, Vegas. But then even there, just for, after that, they just have not had... They've had better speed than they, they've been finishing, but still not a lot of great speed. Two DNFs in that time span as well. So there's someone that... I mean, they could certainly get a win. As crazy as it sounds, even not at a plate track, like they randomly perform well. I mean, finished second at Dirt Bristol last year, had a top five car. I don't know if he finished in the top five at, at uh, Nashville, but had a top five car for a good portion of it. So I'm beginning to feel like that like once a year race <laughs> where they randomly perf- perform well was Auto Club at this point, though. It just, they, they've been in trouble recently. I know Stenhouse had problems this weekend, but. Given that it's a dirt race, not even the fact that he ran good here last year, but just given the fact that it's a dirt race, you expect a lot out of him. And I think the only time I saw him is when he was, you know, getting wrecked or wrecking himself. It was like a throwback to the old days and how he got the name, you know, Recky Spinhouse Jr. It was a rough, rough day at the office for Stenhouse. Um, finished 10 laps down and 29th, last car running on the track not what he needed in terms of getting his season back on track. Um, he's lucky Talladega's next week. I know you were saying, you know, maybe they could randomly pull something out and steal a win somewhere, but Talladega probably his best shot regardless. And uh, he's, he's going to need it. And for sure, for sure. We'll, we'll see what could happen there. I mean, Stenhouse, he came close to winning this race. I think it was 2020 when he just, Barely got beat at the line by Ryan Blaney, so he's run good oh, in yes, this equipment the, here. So that, that that finish is like a Renaissance painting, man. When you sit there and you look at it, there are so many cars that that play a role in that finish. And honestly, if you remove one of them, Ryan Blaney loses that race. It it's pretty crazy. There were like four or five cars that had a run. That either got into each other, got blocked by someone, got put in the wall right by Ryan Blaney. It doesn't. There's a whole <laughs> plethora of them, and you basically remove any car. Ryan Blaney probably loses that race. Eric Amarola almost won that race backwards. He did. He, and then who? Who? who uh, Stenhouse kills his run, mm-hmm. but Stenhouse almost wins the race still too. Like yeah, it was. That was something sure else. John Hunter like. Had almost won the race too. Like, John John Hunter was the one where he was on the outside, and when I think uh, Blaney pinched Eric Jones, 
That's like, what got Eric Jones in the wall. Like so many people that could have won that race, and it's just so funny that Ryan Blaine walks away with it still. But yeah, that was <laughs> so many people up there. Yeah, look, looking, yeah, no, it, Josh Williams first Cup start finished twenty fifth on the lead lap. So that's on the lead lap, Cody team. Ware on the lead lap. Uh, yeah, Cody Cody Ware had a fun night. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, also, in terms of disappointed, uh, William Byron, not, not there all night. Um, and had a good finish last year. Good car even last year. It wasn't even like he just had a good finish, but had a good car and just invisible all night. So that's... Yeah. Uh, Bit of a surprise for the guy who's probably the hottest driver in the sport coming into the uh, race. Justin Haley and Cole Custer, strong starts to the race. Obviously started near the front. Cole Custer had issues right off the bat, basically. Uh, uh, one, didn't lead a lap. Both of our pole sitters uh, did not lead any laps. Uh, but two, uh, had some mud get on the front, went in a pit, and NASCAR had decided that if people were going to have issues, they would throw the caution flag, and ultimately did, but after Cole Custer lost two laps and spent a good chunk of the first half of the race just trying to get back on the lead lap. so. Yeah, it's, Actually, uh, took the took the wave around at one point even. Yeah, not uh, not ideal for Cole Custer. Uh, just bad luck. Um, I think you were saying before you thought maybe NASCAR should have uh, should have given the lap back. Yeah, if that was what they communicated before, that if you have issues and drivers are, drivers are having issues, uh, we'll throw a caution. And I feel like with that, right. To me, that as a, dr- a driver should incentivize me not to stay out there and blow up. If we're the only one that has the issue, then fine. You know, don't throw the caution. We would have had to have pit anyway. But, like, it, you set it up in this weird situation where they, all these guys are about to blow up and they feel like they shouldn't pit if someone else is going to pit and then they throw the caution. Like, I, I get, you obviously can't give him his position back. Like, you obviously, that's too far. But I, I think at the bare minimum, you can let him get his laps back if you had already communicated, hey, we're going to throw a caution if people are having issues. With with the uh, grill clogging them, and it seemed to have been a lot of. There were two different kinds of grills they could use, uh, grill covers, and one is, one of them seemed to cause the issue more than the other. But still, good finish for them. Uh, okay, finish for for Suarez. I think probably not as good as what people were expecting. Got up there on pit strategy and led most of uh, the the second stage. It honestly kind of felt. Like, we were desperately racing to that stage break, even though the race was already official. Just it, it seems like a lot more often than it happened, but a lot more often than not, the rain comes during a caution. Uh, especially when we Tech knew we theory. were gonna, especially <laughs> when we knew we were going to have at least a six minute caution. Right. Uh, it, it felt like the stage was, was probably going to be it. Uh, and uh, Briscoe got by him with just a handful of laps left in that stage. Uh, looks like it was 11 laps left in that stage. And it kind of felt like lo- you saw Suarez lose, lose his first race again. Um, but didn't, didn't what actually happened. Uh, never quite got to the front again, but still finished 12th. So the kind of Brad 11th, not that Brad really needs the points at this point, right? Like, yeah, he needs a win. He, he needs a win. So w- would, would be right outside the bubble though. Uh, Eric Jones still right now, right now we're looking at, Christopher Bell since Denny Hamlin uh, sitting 23rd in points, 2311. Uh, since Daniel or uh, Christopher Denny Hamlin has the win, Christopher Bell in 15th is the cut line right now. Uh, Daniel Suarez, 8 back. Austin Dillon, 12 back. 
uh, Chris Busher. I've, I've lost my spot here. Uh, Chris Busher, 25 back, which I mean, very solid for Chris Busher. Uh, Brad would be slotted in there. Uh, he would only be 106 uh, back of the leader, so only two back of Christopher Bell. Uh, which I mean, I think with how he's ran, would it would be surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, no, I mean that. Like, if he doesn't have that penalty, he's right there. It hasn't been an awful year for that team. So they're they're in the position where if they can. They would have been in the position where if they can get things right, they can make it. And unfortunately, because of that penalty, they are they are not in that position. Uh, the guy that that we kind of both mentioned is someone that would definitely be in trouble down the stretch if they kept going the way that they're going is Kurt Busch and. While they were running okay, I mean, he he wasn't like they finished bad. He just got caught up in the Austin Dillon incident. But he's now sitting there, not like ridiculously far behind, only 28 points. But when you're not getting stage points, 28 points is a lot of points to make up. Yeah, I think we were comparing him last week to Austin Dillon in terms of stage points. And while Austin didn't get the finish he needed because of the issues he had as well, um, he did finish fourth in stage one. So he did he did get something out of it. Um, it's not go, a lot, but they, those stage points add up. Let me go pull it up real quick to look at uh, what their their stage points stage are. Point right total now. Are, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean with with Austin because I think they they're like seven or eight apart coming into this race, and you know Austin getting what would that be seven stage points? It you need them to make the you know the playoffs. That's that's if something you're, you gotta If you're gonna only be getting like top tens and rarely top fives, you 100% need those stage points. And uh, I mean, he's just not getting them. Here we are. Uh, so right now, I assume uh, Kurt didn't even get any this weekend, uh, but he's still sitting right now at 10 stage points. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Austin Dillon is at 25 stage points. Yeah. Uh, the only person ahead of him in stage or ahead of of uh, Kurt with fewer stage points is Chris Busher, which is not surprising. Uh, I mean, Austin Cindric is the second fewest at nineteen. Even like Ty Dillon, right behind Kurt, only has one fewer stage point than him. Yeah, so that's it's not good for Kurt when Ty Dillon's that close to you and something like that. Ty Dillon's having a, a very very weird season man <laughs> like huge i'm pretty yeah no so far this year this is his best average finish mm-hmm. uh and i know that eric jones has had his issues which eric jones with the issues he's had should be happy he's still 19th in uh points but i mean he's only 20 which i mean that's a pretty big gap from kurt back to tie but yeah uh, Eric Jones is only 28 back, which, with how they've run, I think most people would have expected it to be quite a bit more. Uh, but Ty, Ty Dillon just cranks out those top 20s this year, and I think he only has one, maybe two finishes now outside the top 20. I mean, this is the best equipment that he's been in. It I mean, is, was, it yeah. is, but I think there was some... It was, Going into the year, though, I don't think that was necessarily a guarantee either. That's true. Like, the GMS had never ran a cup team before. Uh, and even if you take the base of the op- the core of the operations being petty, they had ran one cup car sub-adequately for the last few years. <laughs> but, I mean, Ty Dillon has uh, 
Only three finishes outside the top 20, one of them being a crash in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, solid year. Obviously, nothing to go crazy about, but uh, solid. I mean, yeah. who would have thought nine weeks in he'd be ahead of basically everybody on this list except for, like, obviously, Corey LaJoy. But, yeah. like, probably maybe Justin Haley, depending on people how people felt about him. Cole Custer, maybe the front row guys, but I think a lot of people would have expected some of those, if not all of them, to be ahead of Ty. No, I mean, I mean obviously, people would expect Denny to be ahead of him, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... <laughs> what, this has got to be one of the all-time worst starts to a season for a guy like this. I mean, when I think of stuff like this, if you take away that win at Richmond, you're probably getting, like... 2009 Dale Earnhardt Jr. vibes from it. I don't think that's really a stretch. It's been that bad for Denny. He's he's then, very lucky he's got with that. With the recent history of Denny, too, this feels worse still. Yeah, I mean, you, you go from a guy who's you know a championship four contender over the last couple of years to this, I would agree. Not it's, just a championship uh, four contender, right? Like, in the last two years, one of the top two guys in the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, took a while to get the win last year, but still was running so damn good. Mm-hmm. And now we're sitting here. Uh, he's led forty laps, and he has one top ten. Yeah. And thirty-one of those laps came at Vegas. When I don't know what they did. I think we actually go to Kansas in a couple weeks, so that'll be another interesting one for the Gibbs cars. I um, mean, they. If it's not for a late yellow, Kyle Busch has two wins this year. They did that, run pretty good at Vegas. Yeah. No, yeah. they did. They, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's why yeah. I, I think uh, Kansas will be an interesting one for them. Because it'll at least let us know if, if the mile... I mean, unfortunately for them, you know, it's 2022 and not 2009. So we don't have the number of mile and a half that we used to. Uh, especially just the number of races that we used to at mile and a half. But... You have to... It, it'll be interesting. It'll be at least, you know, if they can run good there... At least then they don't have to worry about it, really, right? Like, they can p- focus on the other tracks, which there are a lot of these days. <laughs> but if they go to Kansas now and don't even run good... Yeah, then you... There are some major issues. I think we'll get to it when we get to it. But if they go out there and they don't perform... And, and by that, I mean Denny specifically, because I'm, I'm not as worried about the other three Gibbs drivers right now. But if Denny goes out there and he runs, you know... 17th all day. I think you could start having the conversation like, is something wrong with Denny Hamlin? Is is he falling off? Can he not get a handle on the car? Because it, it won't feel like it's, you know, an organization thing if the other Gibbs drivers are running decent and he's back there. And we can have that conversation after that Kansas race. I think it's a, a very good time to have it. We'll we'll see what happens then. But there there could be a lot more questions raised in that, you know, eleven camp if they go out there and they don't perform that week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it'll just, even like Truex, like, he's obviously not been as bad as Denny, but I mean, they were still very good at Vegas. <laughs> so it, it'll be a good, uh, good indicator for them regardless. It'll be an important one for sure. That's, it's definitely going to be a good measuring stick for a lot of guys when they get there. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we just go over and cover the bets and the teams and stuff like that? No. No. So, I mean, that, that'll wrap it up then for the Cup Series. Um, well, you have, as always, the, the picks, and uh, let's run that down. I know 
we're probably somewhere it looked like we were going to do pretty good right up there until the end and some things happened, but I think uh, just going over it before we started recording, not the worst week, I guess you could say, in terms of our, our picks for the week. I mean, personally, my picks did better by the end shenanigans in the cup race, but <laughs> uh, for the truck race, our, just our straight-up favorite to win was Stuart Friesen was... One of the favorites. I don't think he was the favorite. I think he was right behind the top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Or third, third behind. Even though Chase, no one should have bet on Chase. Yeah. Uh, And he obviously had a bad day, but our betting favorites to win, you had had Kofoid, who ran really good. Uh, I had Ben Rhodes, who dominated the race and won. So definitely set up good there. Uh, It just felt, it felt like you would run good. Um, and then just after the, the practice and qualifying, it only cemented that more for me. Uh, it was on a good bit of the teams that I picked. I still had Friesen on a lot of teams, too. Friesen ran decent. Didn't win his heap, but ran decent. But that did not run, wind up shaking out. Uh, over on the cup side, I picked Byron to win. You picked Larson to win. Uh, obviously, neither of them won, although Byron was just out to lunch all day. Um, Larson did get a stage, so he, he, did get a he stage. was decent. Yeah. Uh, for the overall or for the fa- the our lines odds favorites, uh, I had Stenhouse who ran okay. You had Austin Dillon who was up restarting up in the top six at one point. I'm pretty sure, uh, and then ultimately had his engine die uh, shortly after a restart to end his day. For our heads to heads for Briscoe Suarez, we both picked Suarez. Uh, that was wrong, but it ended up being right. Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes you got to get lucky, and we were lucky there anyways. For Larson Bell, you picked Larson, I went Bell. They were real close. Uh, ran near each other all day. At the end of the day, Larson just got a little bit ahead. Uh, I picked Logano, you picked Truex. Uh, that was pretty, pretty wrong. Pretty, pretty wrong. Uh, Truex, I don't know if he ran a lap inside the top 10 all day. I think the uh, highest I saw him was like 19th. It was well, it was he bad. definitely he finished, yeah. I'm pretty sure, better than that. So he actually finished 21st, so oh, okay. he did not. Yeah, I'm pretty was... sure he was above, <laughs> above 19th at some point. I will actually, I'm curious now, so I'm gonna go check. But I'm sure, he was, but it was not a good day for Martin Truex Jr. out there. Uh, his highest he did get up to ninth at one point, mm-hmm. but literally only ran 0.4 one lap. That was the one lap, he ran one lap in the top 15. So he, he so restarted ninth. So he restarted ninth, stayed there for a lap because <laughs> that first lap doesn't count. True, true, yes. That first lap doesn't count, and then immediately fell to worse than 15th. So they were pretty bad all day. Even Harrison Burton spent more laps inside the top, top 15. Basically, everybody did that was in any kind of uh, competitive car outside of... Actually, Denny Hamlin also actually technically spent more time in the top 15 percentage wise since uh you know he he ran uh fewer laps than <laughs> than tricks did but they both spent one lap inside of the top 15 jj gailey spent 18 laps inside of the top 15 so very very poor day for martin Truex jr on the flip side joe logano only driver to spend 100 percent of the laps inside the top 15 and he didn't even lead a single lap <laughs> he did not lead a single lap so uh oh. and then we both had Byron over Bowman. Uh, Bowman did good, but I expected Bowman to do good. This, that was honestly Bowman's finish here uh, was right around, probably uh, short of an accident. The worst I expected him to run. I just expected William Byron to run pretty good after running good last year. 
uh, I mean, and, definitely something to uh, a talking point that kind of came up was that when the track was as dry as it was last year, it helped the guys that aren't super used to running on dirt. Uh, and that, you know, based on the finishes and the, who, who finished where last night, that certainly uh, seems to hold some weight. Yeah, I mean, I think I know I saw it on, you know, Twitter and I know Kyle brought it up, too. I definitely feel like having the rain. Um, you know, move through, kept the track in a little bit better condition. So you didn't have the issues that we did last year where it was dried out and breaking up. Um, obviously, right. you can't, you know, no, fight that in. But yeah. yeah. Short of moving the race, because I think we all know we both would want to move the race if possible. Um, or canceling it. What, what change would you make to the product for, for next year? I mean... Honestly, I don't know how the drivers would feel about it, but I, I think, you know, Kyle brought up a very good point in the media center after the race is that these dirt races, you know, whether it be sprint cars or dirt late models, they're at most, with the exception of like the World 100, they're 50 laps. If you're going to put on a 250 lap race, you're going to have to keep the track up. I, I just mentioned it. I think it helped having the rain move through because well, it kept moisture in it. I feel like they did a lot of that last year. Because they had to because I, the I sun suppose, was baked on I it. Suppose. I, I also, I don't think this gets talked about enough too. You had a 150 lap truck race and then the 250 lap cup race because of the rain the days before. They ran those races back to back. I think that played a, you know, a role. Oh, the, last year. Last yeah, year. right. Right. For the for the cup race, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. by the end of that race, that track was gone. Um, even if we didn't have the rain move through last night, I, I don't think the track would have gotten to that level of, you know, just being worn out. But I think it's something you might want to look at moving forward. Um, instead of having like a six minute break, maybe you want a 15, 20 minute break in the stages so they could keep the track wet. Because I, I do I feel wonder and if it's better to have like go go to more of like a main system. <laughs> just just because like a, a, a twenty minute break in the middle of an actual race <laughs> just feels exhausting. Yeah, I would agree. It feels like it would be trouble for TV to hold TV audiences during it. <laughs> Uh, whereas I think if you go, all right, this is the race. This is the first race. After this race, the next race is in 15 minutes. It's a lot easier to plan programming around it. And it's a lot easier for people to be able to plan around it and know that they at least saw the end of that race. So they can just come back and watch the next one and not just feel like they're stuck in this weird. I mean, it's similar to a red flag. I mean, it's basically the same idea as a red flag. And we all know red flags suck. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it would, if they could find some other main system to 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 work more yeah think, it would be better i think the only it's not a problem that i personally have with it but maybe nascar would is that if you do that how do you divvy up the playoff points oh well sure sure i think just spitballing here because i just thought of this in my head i think you know if you had what you could do is you could have a you know a a heat and a b heat and if you win that heat you would get one playoff point kind of make it like stages. I don't know how you divvy up the rest of the stage points, but at least with the playoff point, you could do that. X amount of drivers from each heat advance to the A main, then you have a 
you know, a B main or an LCQ or something like that, and you take a couple guys to fill out the field, and then you have your feature race. Again, literally just thinking about this, like, over the last 30 seconds, really quick idea, but, I mean, it's something they could do. They could figure it out. They have all year to figure it out. It's not like they need to come up with it tomorrow. So, they're probably... They won't think about it again until next March. They probably won't. (laughs) You're probably right. Typical NASCAR in terms of that, but, you know, there there are some things they could think about. Um, I know I said it at the beginning when we started this episode where... I feel like if the finish doesn't go the way it does, there's a very good chance that we're not even talking about this race next year. I I do think with how the finish happened, um, it it does give it a little bit more, you know, of a chance that we're going to be back here next year. We'll see. Um, it's definitely not, you know, I they they announced last year in the middle of the race that they were going to do it again this year. Uh, you didn't get any announcement like that. The only announcement that we got in the middle of the race was that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be in the booth for Talladega on Fox. Like that was that was the big announcement they had. So nothing in terms of uh, this race next year. It's probably going to be a wait and see thing. Um, but we'll do that. I know in terms of moving the race, like we were saying, I personally would want to, um, you know, move to Eldora, but. That's not going to happen either. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, uh, we'll be back later in the week to preview Talladega. I know I'm excited. Are you excited for that, Mark? I mean, it's Talladega. Who isn't excited for Talladega? So I might jump on some iRacing Other than some car races. owners. Yeah, yeah so that's... That's true. For it, but. At least, at least Kyle doesn't need to worry about an expensive day this week. He doesn't have to worry about that till the fall. Uh, Dale Jr. and Junior Motorsports, they might. I feel like if they're not winning these races, Junior's writing out a check for four cars. So hopefully he could avoid that. Um, but we'll be back in the week there. A lot to talk about. You know, a couple of uh, announcements in terms of these races. You know, some news to talk about in terms of who's driving and some cool stuff going on. Uh, we'll cover that when we come back later in the week. So until then, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back to preview Talladega. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.